people deluded i'm back again i hope you're all doing well and safe on this friday morning and welcome back to another edition of the dg podcast the deluded podcast the really and truly podcast you lot the people's podcast you lot give it a bunch of different names either way i'm happy that you're all back i'm happy that you're all in good spirits Definitely, if you're an Arsenal fan, we've actually seen our team score a couple of goals and actually play forward-thinking football. Fair enough, it was in the Europa, but you'll be surprised, you know. Basic premise of football is trying to put the ball into the back of the opposition's net. You never got that vibe watching Arsenal. Um, Yeah, man, so we're back. You know, we've got the North London derby and whatnot. I'm bricking it, really, and we'll talk about that in time to come. Like I said, I hope you're all well and safe. And let's not waste any more time. Let's jump straight back into it, man. Let's talk about the Europa League. But before I do that, as we approach the end of 2020, people, I want to say a big thank you to everybody who supports me across YouTube, across Spotify, Apple, you know, however you get your DG fix. It's appreciative. Um, I saw my Spotify statistics or, you know, and it does the wrap, wrap up stuff. And I was surprised by how much I've grown. I actually think I'm slacking in the podcast game. I actually think it's not growing a lot and you know we've got a little fan base there so i was pleasantly surprised from the analytics of what i saw so i really appreciate you guys and i really appreciate you guys um on youtube as well as i'm fast approaching 30k i think i'm on 28,000 and a bit of change so hopefully that can be done before the end of the season like i wanted um and obviously, I was unfortunate not to be nominated on the Football Blacklist Awards. You know, no bitter feelings. You know, I think everybody deserves to be on that list in their own right. But I do find it hard to believe that there are, you know, you can think of 30 black or Afri- black Caribbean African male or females under the age of 30. Make a list of 30. And DG is not on the list. Got me feeling like Jogba people, you know, and you know when Barca um done them dirty and, and Jogba was mad at the refs, but you know, awards are just, you know, for the ego. I got the streets. It is well it is, people. Um I think the football content awards is next week and I ain't got no email about winning anything, so I'm pretty not I'm pretty sure I'm not winning that either. We moved though, people. Um let's jump straight into the Europa League because I mentioned Arsenal. I'm not gonna speak about Arsenal first. Um, you know, the pressure is piling firmly on Neil Lennon. You know, the fans want him out or at least a section of fans want him out. The board or the Celtic board has retained faith. They lost four goals to two against AC Milan, you know, and that comes off the back of two poor results against Prague. And obviously, domestically, they're not doing well. Um, They took the lead, you know, um, Tom Rogic and and Edward um, obviously, obviously bagged before obviously saw Kyle. Kananoglu, um, Castillo, Haig and obviously Burum Diaz on loan from Real Madrid complete the comeback and they subjected them to a 4-2 defeat. Leicester City, who lost against promoted side Fulham in the league recently, lost 1-0 to Zora in their group, people. A late-minute goal in the 84th minute snatched three points for the home side. Um, Rangers came back from behind as well. Well, I say came back from behind. Rangers had played a dramatic game. In fact, they did. I know I wasn't, wasn't gassing. Rangers came back from behind to win 3-2 against Standard Liège, and they're now top of their group. And I'm sure Gerard is delighted, people. Um... So, like I said, Rangers 3 versus Standard Liège 2. Um, you know, 4-2 in the AC Milan versus Celtic game. Zora defeated Leicester City 1 goal to nil. Una Emre. Now, Real Madrid, and there's a lot of pressure on Zidane. Real Madrid could drop into this group. You know, Inter Milan are probably hoping to get into the Europa League now. Um, 
Villarreal also a strong candidate, in my opinion, to win the Europa League. And they've got Uno Emre, who's been around there. They won 1-0 against Sivospor. Kat Yarabag in Tel Aviv drew a goal to a goal each, 1-1. AEK Athens lost 4-2 to Braga. Leberic defeated Gent two goals to one. Red Star and Hoffenheim drew 0-0. Lille defeated, um, defeated 10 men Sparta Prague 2-1. Wolfsburger won 1-0 against CSKA Moscow. Dynamo Zagreb defeated Feyenoord 2-0. I'm sure you all saw the crazy game between LSK, LASK and Spurs. Jose Mourinho was very critical of his players. And for me, I was a bit shocked that, you know, you saw Son. Again, Jose knows his players' fitness. But I would have thought a point, with all due respect to LSK, LASK, and you can't underestimate them at all. But I would have thought a point... I would have thought a rotated side would be more than enough for this team. I would have thought with a point needed to go through, it's going to happen. Um, and obviously with the North London derby, I didn't expect to see Sun start. Um, you know, Lacelso, I expect him to play against us or I would play him against us. Hoiberg and Endombile, potentially even more as well. I think these players could have potentially been rested. You know, you saw you saw Aurier, Bergeois, Sissoko, Dyer, and um, forgive me if I'm wrong, but you also saw Daly Ali play as well and score a penalty. So I think, you know, Spurs didn't help themselves by playing these players. But in relation to the game, it was a crazy one, people. That that was a crazy game. It was a crazy game. It had it all. It had two penalties, forgive me if I'm wrong, Bale and Deli Ali. Son obviously scored. Um, you know, they actually took the lead. And then you saw the late drama. It looked like Spurs wrapped it up with the Deli Ali penalty and Karamoko. Fantastic finishing added on time. It was a very good game to watch. I'd say they actually... The games I found more most enjoyable or from a neutral point of view, obviously I enjoyed the Arsenal game, but across the two European games, European competitions this week, um, LS, LASK versus Spurs, this 3-3 draw was quite good. Um, I liked United PSG, but I actually think Istanbul versus... Who did Istanbul play, man? Who did Istanbul play, man? That was a crazy game. That was, that was a mad one as well. Um, Leipzig, I think it was. That was a good game. I could be wrong. We're going to speak about the Champions League, so I could be wrong. Um, you know, you saw Jose Mourinho is very critical of his players and their attitude in relation to this game. Um, and it kind of shows what I think about Spurs and that they make games harder than it needs to be. When you look at Everton, the game, the games against Everton, West Brom, Brighton, um, you know, these are West Ham, if I haven't said them. These are all games where they've drawn or they've taken three points where they've needed late goals or they've made it more of a slugfest and whatnot. Again, there was a lot of rotation, you know, uh, Joe Hart, some of them goals conceded. Joe Hart could have done better. You know, I think Tanganga looked all right. You know, Doherty looked a bit poor. But again, you know, the basic things that Spurs have been showing, they didn't show. And I have to attribute, you know, Jose Mourinho was right in criticising his players. It firmly looked like they took the foot off the gas in that game. Antwerp defeated 10 men. Ludigrets three goals to one. Another team that's taken points off Spurs in that group. Um, CFR Kluge drew 0-0 with CSK Sofia. Um, AZ Alkmaar Napoli drew 1-1. Slavia Prague in, I don't know the name of that team, Beersheva. That's obviously not the English term. Um, Slavia Prague won 3-0. PSV, you know, Daniel Marlin, 38th minute, beat a Granada side, a good playing Granada side, a goal to nil. Molder defeated Dundalk, three goals to one. Real Sociedad and Rijica drew 2-2. 
You know, Roma defeated Young Boys 3-1. Benfica ran 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 riot on Leach Poznan and you saw Weigl score. Darwin Nunes, Nunes obviously scored as well. Very powerful Uruguayan striker who probably will be on the move very shortly. I think there's a lot of development to be done. But speaking of Spurs, you know, I'm sure you all got a soft spot in your heart for Jan Vertonghen. You know, Jan Vertonghen also bagged in that 4-0 victory. Um, you know, it was Nice against Leverkusen, you know, my manager, my former idol in the footballing terms in Patrick Vieira. If it's not Thierry Henry, it was Patrick Vieira or Perez for me and Freddie Longberg growing up um, against a yardman in Leon Bailey, who I feel conflicted because I'm always going to support the yardman. But Leverkusen won three goals to two. They're into the next round. You know, Musa Diaby scored and he's having a good year. Jeff Rene Adley played, didn't necessarily stand out. But yeah, man, it was a 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 good game, really and truly. AC Amonia defeated Pacal two goals to one, and Arsenal obviously won four one against Rapid Vienna. Now, with all due respect to Rapid Vienna, you do have to discount the level of opposition. But this is what I mean for all this, you know, questioning Arsenal's tactics, questioning you know the attacking play. They're all valid, but. And I, and I agree with a lot of the points, but nobody can tell me a lot of this isn't psychological. You know, yes, we're playing in the Europa League. Um, is there any coincidence where, you know, only, I believe, until we all played, only Hoffenheim and Spurs had more shots than Arsenal in the Europa League? Compare that to the Premier League. We scored three goals before half-time at home. We started well. We scored two goals within the first 18 minutes, one goal within the first nine. When are these fast starts shown in the Premier League? You know, when the pressure isn't on, when there isn't, when there's an inferior complex with the opposition, when we're kind of through already, you know, we kind of had, it kind of makes valid reasons as to why there'll be a drop-off, but you saw it. Everybody wanted the ball. There was nice movement. There was one, two touch passes, you know. We, we played very good football. When you want to see the boys play like that or attempt to play like that in the league, people. Big up the 200, the 2,000 fans or so that were at the Emirates. They deserved that goal from Lacazette. What a goal that was and what a performance Lacazette had, especially in that 10 roll. And I know a lot of people are speaking in relation to the Spurs game. Should he play in that 10 roll? I don't believe he necessarily shouldn't I don't believe he necessarily should but when you look at you know Smith Rowe played but is Arteta genuinely looking at starting um, Smith Rowe on Sunday probably not you know Williams not being played in that role you can't use Mesut Ozil you know Joe Willock's had an opportunity and he might play you know for the energy and stuff but could it be worth Lacazette? The problem with playing Lacazette against Spurs is obviously if you play Lacazette behind the Bamian, you go with Saka and I'd assume William, you don't have much off the bench. You know, you, you'd have to bring Balogun on the bench for me. You're relying on Eddie and potentially Nelson and I believe Nelson should start. You know, it was a good cameo. Well, I say cameo, good appearance and he got an assist to market in midfield. Maitland Niles did well in that midfield role, kept it basic, put his foot through it when he needed to, you know, got an assist. Should have had a brace really and truly, you know, um, but it was a good performance. Obviously, it's nice to see El Nene back. Still a bit of ring rust, but he's another one that plays on, on Sunday for me. I'm genuinely looking at it. Could you go with Maitland Niles, El Nene and throw in a Ceballos there because he's a bit different? Or will he roll the dice and experiment with an El Nene, Maitland Niles and then probably Lacazette further forward? I don't think Lacazette is going to play... For, um, 
um, behind the striker, but you never know. And, you know, it's nice to see Eddie score as well. That was a good move. You know, Pepe crept into old habits in the second half, but he played well. And I can't complain, people. Everything I don't see in the Premier League, I saw it. Like, that's probably the first game, excluding Fulham, that I'd say I enjoyed watching my team play. Um, and you have to discount a lot, man. You know, the Europa League group stage tax, of course. Like I said, we're taking shots, we're scoring goals. It's been a good place in terms of Arsenal fans. The Europa League has been a happy place for us. Relating to the Europa League, though, and Eddie Nketiah scored his 11th goal for Arsenal. And if you pre the distance, it's at a distance of just over nine yards, which sees the average distance of those goals soar to 5.4 yards on average. So he's very much a, fo a fox in the box and he comes alive in and around the six-yard box. Arsenal have more points in the Europa League 15 than they have in the Premier League, people. You know, we've won five from five. We're 15. We've got 15 points. We sit top of the group. You know, we've got one last game. Hopefully, you see the Balogun, Smith, Rose and etc. starting that. If you look at goal involvements, people, for 2021 in all comps, Pepe still reigns supreme with four goals, two assists. Aubameyang's got four goals, one assist. Joe Willett's got three assists and two goals for Arsenal. You know, four goals apiece for Eddie and Lacazette. Three assists together for Bellerin and Willian. Very important to remember, Willian is still, you know, he got an assist in the last game. But prior to that, he was coasting off the Fulham game at the start of the season. Saka's got two assists and a goal. Nelson and Smith-Rowe, one goal, one assist. And it was lovely to see Smith-Rowe off the bench and bag. He's someone I want to see get game time. I do think he does look like he's improved a lot. But I do think, like Saliba, he's probably someone that goes on loan in January. Gabriel's got two goals. Um, he's our joint second top goal scorer, I believe, in the Premier League, in fact. Um, Balogun, Lewis, um, David Luiz, Marie all have a goal. And on that topic, it was also encouraging to see Callum Chambers get a little run out, especially at the Emirates and um, in front of fans after his hell of an injury and, and long couple of months, to put it nicely. I say couple. It's been close to a year. Obviously, Paolo Marie scored as well. And it's nice to see him get some game time, get over injuries. And it's a nice moment for him to score a goal for Arsenal people. We're actually scoring goals from open play in this competition my word still need to improve at set pieces and that though i'm tired of these short ones um and, and reese nelson i love nelson and i think he should start against spurs but you've got to put in two two times more effort in the train in training for them set pieces my brother because them set pieces are killing me um and again highlighting the difference people arsenal have never won all six matches in a group stage of a competition in europe so there's a bit of history for these players you know arsenal have mustered 94 shots in five games in the europa league compare that to our 10 in the premier league where we've shot 95 times which shows you that there's a lot of psychological issues beyond the obvious lacking in 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 tactics and players standing up to be counted and the rest of it people we had 11 shots on target last night in fact people that's the most we've managed in a single game under Arteta and the most since we've played against Cardiff in September 2018 which is also 11 and you know we should it, we should always have a lot more than that it's a bit poor in that regards um so yeah big up Arsenal you know Europa League soon done and uh, you're, I'm keen to see which teams are dropping out of the Champions League into that competition because it's going to be a tasty one. You've got Villarreal, who are a good side. Spurs and Jose, you've always got to consider. I'm always going to throw Arsenal's hat into the ring. Um, you've got Villarreal, if I haven't said them with Uno Emre. And there's probably a couple of teams. You can't discount any of the European teams that are coming into this competition and those that are there already. Um, let's speak about the Champions League because we did see a lot of people, you know, you, Ukraine, the Ukrainians, you know, Shakhtar Donetsk got a shock result. I say shock. They played very well against Real Madrid and boxed them off the park. As they, you know, Shakhtar have done very well in Europe, to, in my opinion. I saw Jamal Musiala start as well. Pardon me for Bayern Munich. 
Um, Karim Adeyemi, you know, he scored someone I've been speaking about. He plays for Salzburg. You saw his goal and the confidence to strike that. You know, Player and Lukaku were trying to have a shootout in the Inter Milan Gladbach game. You know, Curtis Jones had an encouraging performance um, for Liverpool against Atlanta. Um, I say Atlanta, apologies, not Atlanta, against Ajax. You know, Gravenbetch played, maybe not his most standout of games, but he's getting better and better with every game. And on the topic of Curtis Jones, that run to the left pulse or the far pulse at the time when a cross comes in is becoming a trademark of his people. And teams really need to start sussing that out, people. Um so yeah, let's let's quickly goes over glaze over to the Champions League fixtures, and obviously Neymar made United eat humble pie, people. Um, it was that was quite the game. Allow me to scroll all the way up, people. Um, and let's kick it off with Real Madrid. Like I said, Shakhtar the next defeated them two goals, two nil really, and it had everything. You know, I've been impressed with what I've seen from Shakhtar in the in the Champions League. You know, the way they've played against everyone, they've taken it to them, and it is firmly a shock. You look at that group, glad back sit top with eight points it's going down to the last day you know whoever bottles it bottles it because it's looking gazy for people you know Gladbach are top with eight points Shakhtar are second on seven as are Real Madrid who are third on seven points goal difference is making it um you've got Inter Milan sit rock bottom and Inter Milan might go out of the competition full stop you know they have no chance really well to be fair I'm not too sure who plays on the last day, but I guess mathematically, depend if Real Madrid and Shakhtar wouldn't take points, you would get through. Um, I guess Inter Milan are hoping for the Europa League at this moment in time. And this is what I mean by football matches are not won on paper, because looking at that group, you thought Inter and a side with, with Klopp, I mean with Conte and a team with Zidane were going to bot through it. But Madrid have made it harder than it needs to be, as shown in their 2-0 defeat um, against Shakhtar um, away. You know, Inter Milan have made it harder than it needs to be. Shakhtar and Gladbach have tried. And it's no coincidence after five games why they're there. And it's going down to the last day of the season. Inter Milan are probably hoping to sneak a Europa League place. You know, Shakhtar hoping not to come last. But there could be a lot of movement. You'd imagine if Zidane, if they're um, condemned to Europa League. I know the players apparently still back Zidane and the, the owners definitely have come out and done so. But you'd imagine, you know, a team like Real Madrid, you can't be in the Europa League. So you'd imagine... It's a ticking time bomb for him. You know, Salzburg, as I said, won 3-1 in their game against Lokomotiv Moscow. It wasn't the best of games from Dominic Shabozlai on that left-hand side, that inverted left-hand side. It was a quiet game from the young Hungarian lad, but they won 3-1. You know, Barisa um, scored two well-worked goals for them. You know, Lokomotiv had a penalty in the 79th minute before two minutes later, the young Karin Adinyemi scored and it was a nice little backflip from him. He very much is a player. Um, with that, Bayern Munich are top of that group. And shout out to Jao Felix as well for some of the flicks before I forget this week. Atletico are second. Salzburg will drop into the Europa League in third. But I wouldn't write anything off. It can go down to the last day. You know, Salzburg, the only one safe is Bayern Munich. You know, Salzburg can nick a place into the next round of this competition. Equally, they could be in the Europa. Atletico and our man Lucas Torreira could as well. You know, even Lokomotiv could, could, could sneak third place. But again, goal difference makes the difference. But could even sneak into se second. Obviously, a miracle would need to happen so if you're Bayern Munich you're laughing you could probably like they did in their last game take the handle break off play a couple young players give people opportunities um it is what it is Olympiakos you know it was drama you know Dimitri Payet two penalties 
help them um, come out, come come back from um, a 1-0 or is being resigned to a 1-0 defeat against Olympiacos. They took the lead um, with Kamara in the 33rd minute before in the 55th and 75th, two penalties made the difference for Marseille. And it hasn't been a campaign of 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 pride for for Marseille, so at least they finally get a win, really and truly. You know that still keeps them bottom on four points. Um, Olympiacos still remain in the Champions League, in the Europa League qualification place. Sorry, you know Manchester City and Porto also drew. Um, also drew and it means City stay top and obviously Porto a second and again it can go down to the last day depending on goal difference and you know Porto would need a quite a few goal shift in their last game um, for, for that to happen. Um, in relation to the Porto versus City game, they drew nil-nil. You saw the Porto manager taking shots at Pep and saying if I spent all that money I'd be upset that if I couldn't win as well. You know, City failed to make their chances pay. They had 18 shots, six on target. They just didn't take their chances. And when they did, obviously, VAR did demand them dirty. Um, I think Gab Jesus actually scored, if I remember rightly. And it wasn't actually him that it went against people. It was quite It was quite sad in that regards. Um, I'm sure you all saw Gladbach versus Inter Milan people. What a game that was. Like I said, a shootout between Player and Lukaku, who both got two goals apiece. Two well-worked goals from Player and Lukaku. You know, Darmian kicked off proceedings in this game in the 17th minute. You know, Player could have got a hat-trick. He was actually denied by VAR. It was a free-flowing free game. It really was um, for, the, for the neutrals to watch people, really and truly. Both teams were having a goal. Both defenders were switch, defences were switching off, in my opinion and they both had clinical strikers you know it could have been 3-3 you know Gladbach would have had a point but again VAR disallowed them people and Lukaku I'm not going to say he's enhanced his reputation because he's always been a good player but he goes from strength to strength at Inter Milan Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid drew 1-1 shout out to Jao Felix for scoring in the 26th minute but forget all of that you know some of the flicks and tricks I'm seeing from this lad he's amazing and I wonder how better, much better would he be if he was at, under an attacking coach or, or, or a team that wants to play more football? It will improve him generally as a player, you know, the defensive art. And I don't think he'll be at Atletico for his whole life. But what a player he is, man. You know, it's 1-1, you know, Muller. It was a rotated by Munich side. Muller struck in the 86th minute via a penalty to get a point for them. But, you know, it was it was all free-flowing from Atletico. Yeah, 13 shots, but three on target. You know, definitely towards the end, you know, Thomas Lamar put a lovely weighted free kick into the box. And I think Hernandez sailed over. He could have done a lot better in that regard. Um, Correa had a chance where um, Felix set him up early on as well to score. Um, like I said, shout-out to Jamal Musiala. Shout-out to... Um, the young bright Ari M. Um, Mibi, um, 17-year-old defender who also started for Bayern Munich and he actually had a failed trial at Southampton and um, was formerly of Chelsea. So it shows you football is a funny old game of opinions. You know, he couldn't get into Southampton when he was trying to get a trial. But him and his former Chelsea colleague, Jamal Musiala, in their early teens, you know, like I said, 17, 17 years of age and you started against Atletico Madrid people. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's a, football's a funny old game of opinions. Funny old game of opinions. And it shows you why you should keep going, why you should never really read too much into things. Um, Torreira didn't get off the bench, people. Um, again, not had too much minutes. Liverpool won 1-0 against Ajax. As I've mentioned, 58th minute Curtis Jones scored. The young goalkeeper, Kellyer, Kelleher, I can't say his name, of Liverpool kept a clean sheet. There was one shaky moment. He slapped the ball into someone's path and they dealt with it, but... 
generally he did all right you know never Neres would probably kick himself and think how can I have not done more for my team in this game but Liverpool go marching on and doing what they need to do in this competition and they sit first you know 12 points Atlanta are second with eight Ajax in the Europa League spots with seven Mitchland rock bottom as expected with only how, they, how many points did it say they had a single point I thought so, but I just had to check that. Atlanta and Michelin obviously drew 1-1. You know, Romero hit um, one back in the 79th minute after Michelin took the lead in the in the 13th. It was a good game, you know, and Atlanta's a team you're looking for. They're dark horses in the sense of they play very good football. They, it, it's very much cool to watch Atlanta and take them in, but for the last three years or so, they've been playing like that. Um Konzandor defeated Renz one goal to nil. You'd imagine Kamavinga is on the move after this season. I can't imagine Renz will be in the Champions League next year. Um, we'll have to see. Dortmund drew 1-1. You know, Romero is such a player for, for Dortmund. You know, getting better with every game. My guy, Gio Reyna, had a good performance. Shout out Jude Bellingham. You know me. I've got an agenda with Jude Bellingham. I think he's a quality player. But they drew 1-1 against Lazio. Makoko. Another young G got no minutes off the bench, people, which unfortunately I would have liked to have seen him get such, but it don't go like that all the time. Um, and it is what it is in that regards in their 1-1 game, people. Um, so, yeah, it was obviously it was obviously it was obviously marred because obviously I'm sure you all saw Milinkovic, David, David, Milinkovic, Savic kind of dived and, you know, Fave, the, the, the manager of Dortmund has been very critical of him and so it's like he's in a swimming pool. You know, he's a big six foot plus man jumping like that. It's like, it's like what Holden said, forgive me for my language, in that Adama Traore is built like a brick shithouse and he's dropping like that. It's ridiculous. Um, But yeah, you know, Barcelona won 3-0 against Ferran Carvos, you know, Braithwaite, Osman Dembele and um, Antoine Griezmann struck for by, for Barcelona who haven't had a, a, a good season like that and haven't had consistency in terms of performance and level of results, people. But they won 3-0. It's all about the feel-good factor. Manchester United lost 3-1 against PSG, people. You know, it was written in the stars that Fred wouldn't finish that game. You know, Fred should have been substituted at half-time. You know, like I saw somebody tweet on Twitter. I think it was Pogba Senior or something like that. For someone that spent such a long time as a substitute in Oli Kole Social, why doesn't he know when to bring on a sub? Which I thought, think was harsh, um, people. Obviously, Neymar grabbed two goals um, and the people always ready to get at Neymar. You know, the PSG's captain came off the bench in Marquinhos and scored in the 69th minute. Rashford bagged in the 32nd, a bit of a dodgy goal. Fred's, Fred let himself down, you know. He should have been subbed. The managers clearly said to you at halftime, calm it down, you know. Someone gets past you, they get past you. Don't make no silly fouls. And you've shown your immaturity, really. And you're an experienced player, Fred, who's been doing all right this season, generally. You might not be everyone's cup of tea, but you shot yourself in the foot, people, really and truly. You know, you're always going to be shackled at this, that point. You know, Martial didn't have his scoring boots on. I don't know if being a French player, playing against a French opposition and probably being talked about in the media got to him because he missed some serious tappings. You know, Cavani hit the post against his former team. Um, Scott McTominay and Neymar got into the handbags. The game had everything, man. I think it was a good game. I do think to a degree Tuchel tried to complicate things too too much. You know, I would have started Di Maria, but at the end of the day, he won 3-0 really and truly you can't complain what could anybody tell you in that regards it was nice to see Bakar the 20 year old left back get some minutes as well but 3-1 in this game and I'm pretty sure that's revenge of sorts 
for um for PSG against Man United, having lost the return fixture in this. With that, the away side has won all four Champions League matches between Manchester United and PSG, excluding games played at neutral venues. Manchester United have now lost more of their of their eight home games in all competitions this season than they did in 28 at home or well, at Old Trafford last season, which was only three in 28. And they've lost eight in four. So that tells you Old Trafford is potentially not a fortress anymore. Manchester United have lost four of their last seven UEFA Champions League home games, um, winning as much as, as their previous 52 such games beforehand, people. So they've lost four in seven and it and it and they had a similar record stretched across 52 in the game before. Um, good comeback victory away from home for PSG. I'm sure they, they would have enjoyed that. And, you know, they go marching on for United. It's commiserations, but it is what it is. Juventus, you know, finally see a convincing performance from them. Cristiano Ronaldo scored, I believe, his 750th goal. Um, he struck in the 57th minute. Sandwiched between that, you had Chiesa, who got Juventus off to a good start in the 21st minute. And Maratta in the 66th. You know, Juventus free, Dynamo Kiev nil. Club Rouge um, won 3 0 against Zenit St. Petersburg. And I'm sure you all saw Olivia Giroud not only got a hat trick but bagged four goals, you know, four very well taken goals. And you you know, one thing you've got to rate about Giroud is he responds to adversity. I don't think Giroud is, you know, 38 games. If I'm trying to win the league or qualify for top four, Giroud is not my 20 league goal striker. So he's not the guy I'm going to rely upon. He might get 10 goals or 12 goals. But of those goals, all goals amount for the same. But they might be games where, you know, you was losing. He's bagged a point for you or you've come back from behind. He scored a quick brace. Just one thing I like, you know, the what the... the the thing about Giroud, he's a, he'd be more appreciated in a 4-4-2 days. I do think people look at Giroud with rose tints because when he plays consistently, he does go through stinkers. You know, remember Monaco away. Giroud's problem at Arsenal was not even that he was a bad player. It's that we're looking at him to do what we've seen Aubameyang doing or what Kane and Salah and the rest of them are doing at other clubs. Um, he's a good player. He's a fantastic one to have in the squad. Like, I don't think Lampard rates him enough to start him week in week out but he's fully aware of his capabilities you know when he starts him he scores he can come off the bench and score Giroud's a good competitor you know he'll be he will have a moan in the press and say I need to play but you can tell he trains well and when he gets an opportunity he seizes it he's come into the game very late and gets better every year and he keeps developing and he's very street smart he can you know Giroud's a, when you've got them technical man in the French team like you see and Giroud's closing in on that record when you've got them technical man at Chelsea and 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 and, and France, you can see why they like to play with him. It might be selfish, but, you know, if you're playing with someone like Lionel Messi through the middle or Firmino or something, if you're Liverpool's one, Firmino wants to, he, he passes the ball, but he can turn and, and do all of those things. With Giroud, it's a selfish thing. Like, if I'm Eden Hazard and Hakim Ziyech now and these players, you know Giroud isn't going to try and turn on the ball and run in behind. His game is, you know, one-twos, running in behind. You know, that gives you more time on the ball. Giroud's a dream to play with. And I like Giroud because he responds to adversity. He's had a firm career. It took a while for him to get into the professional game. You know, he then became a league champion at Montpellier. You know, he's then gone off to become a world champion with France. He's won a couple FA Cups at Arsenal and, 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 and solidified his place. And he's going from strength to strength now. And, you know, we'll have to see what happens with him in January. Again, apparently Didier Deschamps said he needs to play on a regular basis, as he always does, to get into the French side. You know, I can't imagine you don't take Giroud because, you know, there might be more glamorous strikers, but they can't 
offer what Giroud has. I, I'm not saying Giroud has a limited skill set, but what Giroud does, he excels more. You know, there's players that we say, you know, they're fast, they can turn, they can drop from deep. But what Giroud does, he's more effective at it. Neat one-twos, darting near poles, headers in and around the box. You know Giroud's thing, man. Giroud's firmly having a good season. He deserved his four goals and his stat padding. Must admit, didn't expect Fort Seville would have put up more of a fight. Didn't think they would get blitzed, but, you know, Chelsea are well-deserved of that. They deserve that. They put them to the side, people. Um, so, yeah, man, last week, next week will be the last week in the Champions League and the Europa League. So we'll deal with those fixtures if and when they come, people. A man said when, if they will come. So moving away from that, though, people, and the Europa League competition and whatnot, we might as well look at the Premier League action to come, people. Now, North London derby, again, that's the big one. North London derby for me. You know, form goes out the window. I definitely hope it does when you see the way Arsenal is playing. You know, what what have I got to say? It's a North London derby. Spurs, you know, the only teams to score more than Spurs are Man City and, and Liverpool, I think. You know, Spurs sit top with 21 points. Arsenal sit 14th, you know. Complacency will kill Spurs, and I, I'm pretty sure Jose Mourinho won't allow them to. If you hear his comments after their Europa League game, and definitely going into this, um, it wouldn't. I'm not saying Arsenal are going to win, but it, considering how poor we've been, it it wouldn't surprise me if Arsenal won today, well, on Sunday, and then lost against Burnley. You know, everything I saw in the Europa League, I want to see it. You know, what all I'll say against Spurs, win your individual battles. Be afraid to let your teammates down and rise to the occasion. You know, Spurs are going to have 2,000 other their fans and you never know what difference that can make. Psychologically, get your head in gear because psychologically we've struggled with, with many teams. You know, we've struggled against Leicester, struggled against Villa, you know, struggled with City, struggled against Liverpool and many others. Wolves as well. Psychologically, get your head into it. From a tactical point of view, you know, mentally, the players have to want to play like how they did in the Europa. One, two touch passes and movement and whatnot and not conceding cheap goals. I know we conceded one cheap goal, Renaissance Buki. But I'd also say for Arteta, in terms of game management and tactics, I think you've let yourself down in the last couple of games. Like, I don't think Dean Smith is to the level of Nuno, Jose um, or Brendan Rodgers. But Dean Smith has been, with all due respect... Dean Smith has been at Aston Villa for a long period of time and I think he outsmarted out Teta. Nuno outsmarted out Teta. Brendan Rodgers in-game outsmarted out Arteta, you know. If you can't, you know, against Rodgers, with all due respect, Rodgers, Nuno, Bielsa away to uh, Leeds and to be fair, we had a man sent off. You know, Dean Smith. If you're struggling against these lot, you know, Jose Mourinho, the tactical genius, you know, I don't need to spell it out for you guys why that one can be a bit dangerous. Spurs are free-flowing, you know, Spurs are playing good football, they're getting good results, you know, their last two games, what, I would have taken four points off City and Chelsea, they should be believing, yeah, we'll respect Arsenal, let's not underestimate them, but I'm not being funny, they're a soft touch, they haven't been in, in at us with us in the last couple of North London derbies, let's get a victory and then really have our fans really... Look back with joy in these last, you know, three these next these last three games. Spurs, Arsenal being the last one, I'm sure Spurs fans would have looked at it in like, yeah, raw. This is a time, you know. There's nine points on the line. They've got four, and in big games, Jose has, you know, Jose's made them a bit have a bit more grit, a bit more determination, like you've seen. You know, they smacked up United six one. You know, but the Chelsea game, if Giroud comes on, maybe they could have scored, and I think both teams could have nicked something out of that game. Um, but they played well in that. You know, City 2-0, fantastic performance, you know. 
counter-attacked and, and put them to bed. We know what to expect with Spurs. Harry Kane and Son are in great form. You check the goals and assist stats, they're up there. We know they can present issues on the counter. We know their midfield. You've got a resurgence in Ndombele. You've got Hoiberg playing well, Sissoko, Industrial. You know, if there's an area to target, it's their fullbacks and their defence. I know they've kept a couple of clean sheets, but they've just conceded three goals in their last game. And one criticism of Spurs would actually be, away from that, they make games harder than it needs to be for me. You look at the 1-1 draw of Everton, VAR's the talking point, they didn't kill off the game. You know, they do score late goals, which is something Arsenal, you know, saw last year, last fixture in the last 25 minutes, but also they've been bagging this year in the last 70-odd minutes as well, you know. Um, against West Ham, you know, they West Ham came from behind because of poor mistakes and not killing off the game. Brighton, they needed a late bail winner. West Brom, they took it, it was harder than it needed to be. I've mentioned Everton. They make games harder than it needs to be, really and truly. So can we... Can we can can we take advantage of that? We'll have to see come come Sunday, re really and truly. What more is there to say other than that, man? Looking at it, you know, Spurs are unbeaten in their last six home games against Arsenal, drawing two and winning four. Last time they lost was in 2014. It's their longest unbeaten run against us at their home place since a run of nine between 1960 and 1968. Arsenal have only lost back-to-back -back Premier League games against Spurs twice in 1993 and 2010. Don't make it a third time. The team scoring first has failed to win 27 of the 51 Premier League meetings between Tottenham and Arsenal that have had at least one goal scored more than any other fixture in the competition. This is the one derby that actually matches matches it in the league, you know, really and truly. You know, I'd say Arsenal versus Chelsea, Chelsea versus Spurs, or or this North London derby. It seems like the London clubs, yeah. Let's be let's keep it true. That city, that city derby's gassed, you know, the Liverpool derby. The last one that just went recent was the first um, uh, Merseyside derby that was wavy. You know, the rest are gassed up. You know, they force it with these London derbies. Shout out to Palace, Fulham, West Ham, but it's not derbies. We ain't got beef with you, you know. We'll have to see. Spurs have dropped 42 points from winning positions against Arsenal in, Premier, in the Premier League. That's more than any other side has lost against another in the competition's history. This will be the lowest in the table. Arsenal have been going into a North London derby since 1993 when we sat. 21st after just one game before a 1-0 victory at White Hart Lane courtesy of a late header from who? Ian Wright. So let's hope there's something to be said in that regards, people. The battle lines have been drawn. I've smelt it in the air all week in North London. You know, a bit. It, all the fans aren't going to be there, so that's the edge that's taken off the game. But it will be a fantastic clash nonetheless, people. You've obviously got Wolves against Liverpool. Yota will play against his old team. I'm keen to see what happens there. You know, I'd be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if Wolves revert to a back five for this game and not the four that they stuck with after playing well there against Southampton, against Arsenal. You know, Liverpool have lost just one of their last 12 meetings with Wolves people, winning each of their last seven in a row by an aggregate score of 15-2. to two. You know, the last time um, Wolves beat Liverpool in the league was in 2010, um, a 1-0 victory in that. You know, remember Wolves beat Manchester City at the time who were reigning ch champions last season. They could become just the third team to win away against the reigning champions in, a, in consecutive campaigns. Um, Liverpool have dropped more points from winning positions this season than they did the whole of last year and obviously I'm sure Liverpool want to bounce back after that one one draw with Brighton where VAR was the talking point Liverpool are obviously currently enjoying their second longest unbeaten home run in English top fight history they're currently on 64 games nobody enjoys going to Anfield firmly people um, you've got Brighton against Southampton battle of the seaside towns Brighton you know 
good point of the current champions in Liverpool should believe they could get something. Southampton, you know, game management is why they, they didn't walk away with three points against um, Man United. They were winning 2-0. You make sure you win that. You don't lose 3-2. Um, Brighton are winless in their last six Premier League meetings with Southampton. They've conceded at least once in six of these games and have lost two and drawn four. Southampton have played more Premier League games without defeat against Brighton than against any other side in all competitions. And in the last seven, Southampton, the Saints are unbeaten. Southampton are winless in their last 14 Premier League games played on a Monday, people. So read into that what you will. Southampton have also felt have only failed to score in one of their last 17 Premier League games, people, with that coming on opening weekend against Spurs, I mean, against Crystal Palace. Um, so we'll see what, what what's happening there. Brighton are looking to go four Premier League games unbeaten for the first time since a run of five between January and March 2018, people. So that would be a decent game. You've got Leicester City against Sheffield United. Sheffield United can't buy a win. They sit rock bottom and there's real pressure on Chris Wilder and Chris Wilder's men if they want to stay in the league. You know, I'm sure Leicester want to bounce back after losing to Fulham. Definitely after losing midweek to Zora. Leicester have won each of their last five meetings with Sheffield United in all comps, including both in the Premier League last year. In all comps, Sheffield United are winless in their last eight against Leicester people. Sheffield United are just one of just three teams in English top flight history to have just one point or fewer from their opening 10 games to a season. You'd have to go back to 1985-86 where West Brom had one and 1930-31 Manchester United had zero. With that, no side has scored fewer Premier League goals this season than Sheffield United. 22% of their total shots this season came in a 1-0 defeat at West Brom last time out, which is quite poor from West from Sheffield United. And I know they signed Brewster and whatnot, but they can't buy a goal at the moment. You know, they can't score at the moment. Um, sadly, you know, um, Sheffield United are winless in their last 13 Premier League games, losing 12 of those. So their bad form off the back of last season has continued. They last had a longer run without a win between December 2010 and March 2011. So relegation is a real possibility for them, people. You've got Chelsea against Leeds United, which is going to be a decent game. You know, Bielsa's men travel to Chelsea and that's going to be a tough game. Chelsea won their last meeting with Leeds in all competitions and winning 5-1 at Ellen Road in 2012. Leeds have lost their last three Premier League meetings away against Chelsea. Leeds have won just one of their last 21 away league games against London sides. They beat QPR 3-1 in December 2017. Only Spurs are on a longer unbeaten run in the Premier League than Chelsea, while no side has kept more clean sheets than the Blues in the division this term. So they've got a bit of clean sheets. They're marrying together, defending with the attacking threat. So they should believe they can cause problems. You know, Leeds have kind of struggled on the road as well, to put it nicely. Um, so we're going to have to see. I remember the last time they went to Crystal Palace, did they not lose 4-1? I could be wrong on that. Did they win 4-1? Football's so quick, I'm pretty sure they lost, but who knows. Of all the Premier League sides to have played more than one season, Chelsea have the best win rate in home games against promoted sides. 82% stands at 68 wins and 80, in 83 games. The Blues have lost just three matches in, in the competition against such sides, against Bournemouth in 2015, Charlton in 2001 and in 1995 against Nottingham Forest people. You've got West Ham who are in a good amount of form. You know, there's talk of David Moyes signing a new deal. I don't know if West Ham fans are happy 
happy or sad with that. But you've got to give them credit. They sit fifth in the league, 17 points. They play against ninth place Manchester United, who are a point behind them in 16th. You know, I'm sure United fans will hope that they can win, but win convincingly because it doesn't matter if it's, you know, all season United have looked a bit shaky. There's been a handful of times where they've looked good. You know, they beat Southampton and it shows grit, it shows determination and fight. But they're making games harder than it needs to be. It's shaky. And they're travelling to, to West Ham where West Ham, you know, there's more question marks if United lose. There's more paper sold if United lose. You know, there's more headlines if David Moyes gets one over his former team. You know, United have been winning the last couple of games in true fashion when Ole Gullasolsha's job is on the line. So we're going to have to see what happens in that regards. West Ham have won their last two home games against Manchester United. They've not won three in a row at home against them since 1974. Them runs have to end someday and I think Man United, for what it's worth, will win in this game. But who knows, people? After a run of 11 wins in 12 games against West Ham, Manchester United have won just three of their last 11 against the Hammers in the competition. This will be the fourth Premier League meeting between West Ham and Man United with the Hammers starting above the Red Devils. This also happened in 1998, 1995 um, and 2014. Um, so I'm still looking for the fourth time. Oh, this obviously will be the fourth time coming. West Ham have scored the opening goal in five consecutive Premier League games, which is their longest run since March 2006. So be careful of Mikel Antonio, of everyone in that West Ham shirt, because they're all playing quite well. Um, Man United have won each of their last eight away Premier League games, their longest winning away run in the league in, in their league history. So again, if you're United, you know, at home, they've been a bit woeful. I've spoken about it. Away from home, there might be some some sort of feel-good factor. You've got West Brom against Crystal Palace. I'm sure Crystal Palace will want to win that game. West Brom need to. There's no, there's no way around that. You know, these teams are fighting relegation. They sit 18th. Um, hopefully Zaha's back after the corona thing. And congratulations to Zaha, who's you know, become another father to another child. I think his partner is giving birth and it's, it's a wonderful gift to have a child. So, you know, more life to, to, to everybody. West Brom have lost just one of their last six Premier League home meetings against Crystal Palace, going two down in March 2017. In all comps, Palace are unbeaten in four games with West Brom, drawing one winning three and kept a clean sheet each time. West Brom earned their first Premier League victory of the season, as you lot know, against Sheffield United people. The Baggies last one back-to-back -back games in 2018 in the league. Um, so we'll have to see. West Brom have the lowest expected goals total so far this season. How do you manage to have less than Sheffield United? You know you're in trouble. No side has scored fewer second-half goals than West Brom in the Premier League this season, with a league-high 71% of Baggies goals this, this term coming before half-time. So if they don't score before half-time, they're not getting nothing out of the game is what that tells me. Burnley and there should be pressure on Sean Dykes and Sean Dykes' men. They welcome Everton to their place, people. Everton are eighth place, you know, had a bit of a wobble after starting strongly, but I'm sure they're going to want to win, people. No side has scored fewer Premier League goals than Burnley this season with four, while Bur Burnley have also attempted the fewest shots and had the fewest shots on target. They've made just 83 shots and had just 24 shots on target, people. Um, they've played a game fewer than most, but still... Um, you know, after keeping a clean sheet on the opening day, Everton have now conceded in each of their last nine Premier League games. Only Sheffield United are on a longer run without a shutout. So again, they can have Hammers, they can have Decore, they can have a Richarlison, you know. 
um, Iwobi and Dejane can shine in the flanks in Iwobi in that fullback role but defending they do concede cheap goals and that's going to stop them doing what Leicester is doing and the rest of it in terms of challenging for Champions League places or putting pressure on the top six teams or teams expected to make such people none of the 12 meetings between these two sides people have been drawn have have been drawn um people so you've had seven everton wins and five burnley victories so this tells you someone's going to take all three points everton have never kept a clean sheet in in their sixth in their sixth premier league away games against burnley um so make up that what you will burnley have won four of their six premier league home games against everton and they won one nil in this fixture last year so read into that what you will you obviously have manchester city against fulham fulham got a little bit of faith after beating leicester and you saw the way scotty parker was talking you also saw the way manchester city dealt with burnley so i'm sure they're going to want to do business as usual uh, manchester city have won each of their last nine games with fulham netting 27 goals and conceding just three you know, Fulham are winless in their last 15 against Man City. Um, Manchester City have only failed to score in one of their 26 Premier League home games, people, with Fulham. Um, so make of that what you will. One saving grace for Fulham is 75% of Fulham's Premier League victories against Manchester City have come away from home. The last time they won at the Etihad was in 2006-2008. And in 2009, and in those three years, it's weird, but it's always been in April. Weird. And Man City are looking to win back-to-back Premier League games for the first time this season. Um, netting, so, yeah, man. Obviously, like I said, they netted five against Burnley, but it means nothing if you can't be consistent. So there's a jam-packed bunch of fixtures. Like I said, we've got, to reiterate, you've got Burnley against Everton, Manchester City against Fulham, West Ham against Manchester United, Chelsea against Leeds United, West Bromwich Albion against Crystal Palace, Sheffield United against Leicester City, Tottenham Hotspur against Arsenal in the North London derby on Sunday, Wolves against um, Liverpool welcome Wolves better yet. You've got Brighton versus Southampton on the Monday, people. So read into that what you will. Um, there's no games today, people. So you don't have to panic and change your FPL teams just yet, people. Moving away from that and let's get into the final stuff that... I wanted to be here for people and talk about some general news. I'm sure you've all saw a spanner has been thrown into the works in relation to clubs signing players under the age of 18 in relation to Brexit. That's probably why you saw Manchester United especially sort of have an aggressive recruitment drive. As you lot know, English clubs on a regular basis go all over Scandinavia, go all over Holland in particular, Spain and just cherry pick these players, you know. When they're 16, you look at Eric Garcia, you look at many things. And I'm sure our European counterparts are loving this because now you can't get them until they're 18 at best. There's always ways around it. I guess you could sign a player and house them out on loan elsewhere and, and stuff like that. There's ways around it, but you cannot sign someone when they're 16. So the days of Cesc Fabregas, Paul Pogba, all of the Hector Bellerin, you know, all of these players, it's not a thing. One thing I hope is that obviously... More English players are given opportunities because you can't do that. One byproduct I think is going to happen, which happens already, you know, the bigger clubs are just going to have more of an aggressive recruitment drive when it comes to signing players um, at 16 from the Scottish teams, from the Rangers, from from all of these Celtics and, and, and Kilmarnocks and Dundees and the rest of it, like you see in City have done, you know. Um, I also think, you know, the Scottish and the Cat 3, Cat 2 academies are going to feel it you know if i'm if i'm these clubs now i'm just gonna make sure i harvest league one league two sides and the rest of it um 
obviously it will shift probably between from signing players I believe from 16 to 17 and probably targeting players from 18 to 20 slash 21 when they're a bit more mature and again maybe these players like this young Dutch lad who might leave at 16 and just be housed in Arsenal or Chelsea or whoever's 23s can stay to his 18 potentially play some first team games and then move where he's got a bit more maturity from a footballing and from a life point of view so we'll have to see and and clubs might be rejoicing because like you say like you're seeing karma is actually changing you know the european clubs are the one bullying english clubs for their players now you know how much english players are going abroad whether they succeed or not and now you've got this so it's almost karma after having years of bullying um so we'll have to see and that's probably why you saw arsenal sign a couple of foreign recruits as well because again if you're not signing man when they're 18 it makes it difficult um, and this will probably mean you know play you have to be just that that just that bit better to be signed at 18 because when you're being signed at 60 you could take a risk for 100k but at 18 that might make it a bit different it's still pennies for clubs but you've got to, you've got to justify it that much more but for what it's worth the football association has confirmed that the premier league and efl clubs will not be able to sign foreign players until they are, are 18 under new regulations that will be introduced upon completion of the brexit transition period with all new signings from the european nation leagues requiring a work permit that will be allocated on a points-based system the new regulations which have been approved by the premier league and english football league will also see premier league clubs limited to signing no more than three players under the age of 21 in any single transfer window meaning no more than six per season in an effort to help produce homegrown talent in professional leagues so again what that means is you can't just stockpile and grab a bunch of them and if you are you've got to have a plan the new regulations which have been approved by the premier league um apologies people i've already said that um the governing body endorsement the gbe glory boys entertainment for those of you of the culture will be required to sign for a club in the uk from 2021 with a points threshold required to be met in order for the player to be legally allowed to work in the uk so there's a clubs can get around this people but as you can see it's a bit of a stitch up the point system will take into account international appearances at senior and youth level the club that the player is joining from including the, the quality of their league position and con continental success so if you sign a man that's 18 from barcelona you have more of a chance of getting this work permit than if you was to sign him from rapid vienna or dundalk apologies well dundalk might not be the best of example but you get the point or Michland or something um work permits clubs can get around them but you can see in a worst case scenario a club might be following someone since they're 16 which will happen you'll monitor players from their 16 now and say all right cool we'll come back for you there'll be informal agreements with clubs until the man turns 18 but what happens when you sign a man that's 18 and you can't find someone if you're so if you're a place like vitesse I mean, and you've and Chelsea, you know, you got to utilize that more now. You can probably sign someone when they're 16, let them move there, or wait till they're 18. If they struggle with a work permit or whatever, send them to the Vitesse until they qualify. And that's, you know, affiliate clubs, just like a football manager, might be an avenue because this happened to me in FM, and it's it's a bit of a stitch up. I can't lie to you, lot of people. Um, so yeah, players will be required to acquire 15 points to gain a GBE and those who have played at least 70% of international matches for a topped 50 ranked nation over a two year period, one year for youth players in brackets, will be automatically granted a GBE. So again, if you're that talented 18 year old and from 16 years of age, you've been playing for Spain at national level, you have a good chance of getting this really and truly. And if you're at Barcelona, so there's obviously a bias towards the bigger the club, the more established the club, the more chance you have of not only getting a work permit, but also you know just making it a, an easier process people really and truly um 
um, it will be automatically granted, assuming, you know, you hit certain targets. And the threshold will reduce depending on how high a nation is placed, according to FIFA rankings, with 21 to 30 required 60% and 11 to 20 needing 40% and the top 10 only 30%. So you can see how it can get a bit gazy and political with the dynamics and shift between how FIFA ranks nations. And you can see how corruption can be bred. Um, keeping up with UEFA and corruption and uh, not that it's any, of any relevance but I'm sure you've all seen or if you haven't there's a new proposal to the Champions League apparently the Champions League looks set for a major shake-up it's first in over a decade as proposals to use the so-called Swiss system are gathering momentum um, UEFA officials are favouring a new format which would see each team that qualifies for the Champions League play 10 group games against all against different teams people that just screams marketing to me. Marketing, more Champions League, more revenue, more adverts, you know, more all of these sort of things. You don't need to play 10 games, you know. It's been tough enough with COVID and the games both domestically and continent and continental playing twice a week. How does that work playing 10? You know, that, that surely ex extends the season. That surely means you've got to play three games a week. Surely you've got to play two Champions League matches and a domestic one. And what happens if you've got to play two Champions League matches? You've still got the league. You're still in the FA Cup and the League Cup. And again, it's again confirming what we already know is FIFA, UEFA. They just look at footballers like guinea pigs. It's ridiculous. Of course, when you look at it, it sounds wavy. You know, more Champions League nights. But it's, it's, it's inhumane, really and truly. And it's just, it's not being done for the right reasons, as we know. UEFA will hold talks on the subject this week as the changes to the format are planned for 2024 season onwards. The current system will run until 2024, but plenty of ideas are being thrown out there to see how they can improve the format. And it seems like the main aim at UEFA is for the big teams to play against one another more often. And again, big club bias. It should be who earns it. But of course, the more games you have against Bayern Munich versus Barca or Barca, Juventus and Real Madrid, the more wavy it sounds. But at the same time, does it lose its prestige? You know, even with the group stages, we've seen more or less in that everyone can get drawn in. A, within reason, everyone can draw everyone in a group. And after the group stages, anyone can play everyone. But does it lose its prestige? We've already seen Bayern Munich against Atletico Madrid already. We've seen Man United against PSG already. We've seen Inter against Real Madrid already. If I, I, I think I said that already. We've seen half of these things. So, again, does it take the prestige out? Let's say if Bayern Munich were to meet Atletico in, in, in you know, they're not going to meet each other directly, but, you know, in the latter stages, I'm not going to say it doesn't lose its prestige and it is what it is, but we're already seeing a difference, people. I'm all for improving systems. I'm all for making things better, but I'm not too sure how, how that changes anything. Apparently, the aim is to make the group stage games more competitive. If you're playing 10 games, you're going, obviously, you're going to have to utilise most of your squad. But the minute you've mathematically qualified, you're going to throw the games. It's not going to make them more competitive because players are going to be more fatigued. There's going to be more injuries. Teams are going to be stretched more. The fatigue element and the physical conditioning of the players with all the games they've got to play both there in this um, in Europe and domestically, it's going to harm them. So I'm not too sure it makes them more competitive people. But like you can see, people, um, you know, four more games for each team means more money from sponsors and broadcasters. So clubs would probably do this thing, people. Um, I'm not too sure how it would work as well, really and truly. Um, and, I, and I'm sure a part of this is aimed at kind of preventing that Super League from from taking formation, people. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. I'm sure you all saw... Um, Last last Sunday, um, the four 0 win Barcelona and Osasuna. Osasuna, Messi and Barcelona have been confined, been fined the combined seven hundred and sixty quid. People, 
um, because obviously you saw Messi hold up his shirt and, and kind of pay tribute to Maradona. Now, I get it, rules are rules, but come on now. Let's let's have a bit of sympathy around that. He shouldn't have been fined for that. Neither him nor the club and Barca and Messi have been in the, the headlines for a lot, to put it nicely, people. Away, away from that, though, and speaking about Ed Woodward, not of any direct relevance to Man United, but the Man United chief executive has said power, the project big picture... Um, um, he's re- was not a, was not basically a behind closed doors power um, grab. He's he's rejected claims. The plans put together by both Liverpool and Man United would have seen teams in the EFL given two hundred and fifty million to share plus twenty five revenue of future TV deals that the Premier League secures. They would also involve scrapping the Cat Yarabel Cup and cutting the Premier League to eighteen teams. The Premier League has agreed to a full review of the proposals, which is due to be completed in March. As you lot know, the plans for Project Big Picture were leaked to the press in October and provoked a generally negative response. Um, Woodward himself said, it's important to reflect that this was in work, This was a work in progress. It was not a behind-closed-doors closed power, power grab, Sorry, only a draft of proposals and a discussion document. Um, which which is which is quite which is quite crazy people um which is which is absolutely scandalous really really and truly um he also went on to say for what it's worth the club will continue to back oligola social and they need a planned long-term approach to recruitment he said we recognize there's more hard work ahead to achieve consistency needed to win trophies i said in april we remain committed to strengthening the squad whilst being disciplined in our spending due to the pandemic i believe we're delivering that with the additions we've made during the summer taking our total net spending to over 200 million euros 180 pounds since the summer of 2019 we will continue to support ollie with a planned long-term approach to recruitment focused on summer windows and none of that is anything new you'd expect people to focus on the summer windows so with that I'm going to I'm going to leave you I'm going to leave that with you people. It's been a fantastic podcast. Hopefully, you know, we'll be back on Tuesday because as you lot know, you know, this this podcast the deluded podcast, you can expect it on a typically Monday or Friday morning. We preview the Premier League games on a Friday. We review the news and talk about any talking points that's happened over the weekend on a Monday. However, like you've seen in the last few weeks, when people are playing on Monday, I like to talk about all of the Premier League. So next week will be out on Tuesday. So it's Tuesday, Friday. Make a mental note of that. Also, you know, YouTube, you know, you've got a bunch of content from me. I've got watch alongs to do for Sunday in relation to Arsenal Spurs. Got a lot of preview stuff to come out. A lot of content for you guys to be released. So whether you're following me across Spotify, make sure you hit the follow button. If you're on Apple, do the same or any other streaming device. Make sure you're subscribed and got the notifications bell one on youtube and you have your reminders set so you don't miss a beat links are in the description in relation to my so- my socials follow me across my socials deluded guna 04 across everything snapchat d guna 04 um and on that note people i'll see you lot when i see you lot i hope you all remain in good spirits i hope you all have a fantastic weekend i hope you've all had a, li- a week where you can look back of real fondness and say okay i've achieved something this week um so yeah on that note, I'm going to get out of here, though. People, it's always a pleasure. It's been a fantastic, deluded podcast. It's been a fantastic hour or so with you guys. But I'm out. I'm going to have to love and leave you. God bless. I'm out. <laughs>